Well, good morning, church family. Good to see everyone today. Is anyone excited about starting this new series along with me? Anyone? Good to see you. Good to see you. And to get things going, I want to talk about a certain premise I believe in. Um, right before you, if you're taking notes, I believe that convictions control our activity. Our core values, what we believe in, will drive certain activities. Let me prove this premise. Uh, I believe that parents operate by certain convictions. I believe we were all inspired by a Whitney Houston song called The Greatest Love of All. And maybe there are some parents who, who agree with this. That I believe that children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Anyone convicted by that? Yeah. And, and this is why we try to educate them. It's why our girls take piano. Because we've heard that piano helps with brain development. And so it doesn't matter if you're not musical, go take piano. It's why you tell them to go out for a sport. Because even if they're not athletic, we say you got to learn how to use your body, be part of a team. That's what we do. It's why we give them chores and tell them to do their homework right away so that they learn the value of hard work. We're convicted that, again, we need to teach them well so that they can lead us well in the future. Now, my caveat is I do believe we need to lead children for a long time before they start leading us, but fair enough on that. There's a conviction that D.L. Moody had. Uh, Chicago and pastor. Uh, you might have heard of the Moody Bible Institute downtown. And uh, he uh, famously took a bunch of pastors up to a hotel room in uh, Chicago that overlooked a park. And he asked, what do you see in that park? Everyone agreed they saw people in the park. But with tears in his eyes, D.L. Moody said he saw it a little differently. Uh, this is what he recounted. He said, but I see countless souls who will one day spend eternity in hell if they do not find their Savior. And his conviction controlled his activity. D.L. Moody is one of the greatest Chicagoan evangelists in our area. Um, again, that's why we know the name. Some of you may know that in Amazing Love we have the same conviction. That everyone should know about the amazing love of Jesus. And so we're out in the community with free garage sales, with soccer camps, trying to reach people so that they know about heaven and love and forgiveness. Yes, convictions control activity. It's why some of you sleep in, right? You are convinced that there is no better way to spend your time. And it's interesting that it's why others of you wake up early, because you are convinced that sleeping in, there, there's no better way to waste your time. And so convictions have power, but, but what happens when our convictions are based on a lie? I, I remember watching this movie uh, that, that I think is now classic, uh, maybe you will or will not agree with me. Um, the movie is Mean Girls. Anyone see Mean Girls? <clears throat> and, and there was one mean girl who was uh, convicted of a certain premise. The premise was that if she ate this bar, she was going to get skinny. Uh, but she didn't know that she had been lied to. Uh, see, the character played by Lindsay Lohan, who has uh, had some time in Africa, they gave these bars to starving kids in Africa so that they'd bulk up. So while she ate these bars and was looking to get skinnier, um, it actually did the opposite, all because her conviction was based on a flat-out lie. So every now and then, we got to wrestle with our convictions. you got to be real with what are the things that you truly value and believe in because they're going to set you on a certain path. And that's the power of this series because in this series, we're taking a look at convictions that sometimes even Christians have that unfortunately God or Jesus never said to be convicted by. Like, 
you'll never have more than you can handle. And what happens when we're believing something that we thought God said but didn't? Well, it's worse than gaining weight. What happens when we believe in a lie of something he didn't say is sometimes then we start doubting God. We get disillusioned. We may even walk away from the faith because we thought we heard from God something that he never said, and now we're in a place we don't want to be, so is he really trustworthy? There's a lot hanging on our convictions, friends. So some of you might wonder, you know, how did we get here? Um, Whoever came up with this idea that God won't give you more than you can handle? Well, it's actually uh, based and rooted in a scripture. Um, and, and this is, by the way, the same way the devil works. The devil, he, he takes a truth and he twists it just a little bit. It's not a flat-out lie. And, and then with a twisted truth, he tries to compel you to go forward. And, and so what we have in you won't have more than you can handle is a twisted truth. It's really based on a passage uh, in, in Corinthians. Uh, Paul wrote to Christians there. And, and look at it with me. Uh, it says, here's the context. And context is key. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. Uh, You're invited to read the yellow with me. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, friends, that is not the same as you won't have more than you can handle. He's basically saying that when tempted, whether in thought, word, or deed, because you have the power of the risen Christ in you, the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, you can find a way out. Uh, You can say the right thing, think about something else. Um, That's the power of God when tempted. But he's not talking about a life where you'll have too much to do and not enough time to do it. Or emotions that seem too much for you to handle. Or responsibilities that are overflowing and, and you don't know what to do. Because our experience tells us that often this life is too much for us. Let me prove it to you. Has anyone been in a household where everyone was sick at the same time? That, my friends, is too much to handle. I remember it was a couple years ago, we all got the stomach flu at the same time. Yeah, awful. I drew the short straw to get the, the prescriptions from Walgreens, and so I had to run to the bathroom while at Walgreens. This is way too much. We would have not have eaten anything if it weren't for the kind people who bring you food when you're sick. Those are great, great people. Um, or, or, or let me get another case study for you. Infants. Infants are incredible gifts. Beautiful, you wouldn't change the world. They change our lives miraculously. But I believe that infants are too much for one person to handle. Would anyone agree? And, and so you have a spouse. And you tell your spouse, right? Your turn. Here they are. Yep, been with them all day. You call in the reserves. If you have extended family, hey, mom, I know you did this like 30 years ago, uh, but I need like a good eight hours. Please, could you do it, right? And uh, it's hard for moms, by the way, because they did it 30 years ago, and and infants is is extreme. But anyway, um, we we say it takes a village because sometimes it does. Sometimes it's more than extended family. Anyone wants to hold the baby? You want to hold the baby? Yeah, okay, very good. Because infancy is too much. These beautiful gifts are 24-7 needy. And so sometimes you need to call in reserves. You see where I'm going? Well, this was true in the Bible. In the Bible, often there were characters who were given too much. There was a scrawny teenager named David uh, who went against a giant named Goliath, a seasoned warrior. And, and honestly, that's too much for him alone. Uh, there was a man named Moses who had to lead the people of God out of Egypt. And he's like, I'm too insecure. Send someone else. This is too much for me. 
uh, there was a, a prophet named Elijah who was so fed up with the prophets of Baal and, and the, the rulers of that time, Jezebel, Ahab. He said, I had enough. You can take my life. And then, even Jesus. Jesus, who is true God and true man, according to his humanity, came to a breaking point as recorded in Scripture. He said in the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It is too much. So today we get to learn from someone who is in a situation of way too much. His name is Gideon. And I think it's one of the most incredible historical stories, one of the most incredible battles ever recorded in Scripture, actually, um, that, that Gideon is going to have to take 300 Israelites versus 135,000. 135,000 Midianites. Now, it kind of reminds me of, of the Spartans and the 300, the Battle of Thermopylae. They lost, friends. <laughs> Gideon has to take the same amount against a similar-sized army and try to win the day. That's too much for one man. But we're going to learn the hope past the lie. We're going to learn who God is and what he does for his people when life is way too much. You ready? Let's get into it. From Judges chapter 6, we're going to read the whole section and we're going to pick it apart today. Uh, but I invite you to follow along either on the screen or the worship folder. There it says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Now, a principle there that if we're up to no good, God in love will sometimes call us by giving us too much so that we come back to him. That was the cycle that we see in the Judges. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Wherever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. So the army was 135,000. We don't know how many people it could have been, much, much more. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Well, it goes on. As they cried out, God answered. So an angel of the Lord, who we know to be, is God. Uh, this is the pre-incarnate Christ, and the way he talks, the way he directs, this is God himself, came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Bezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and give us into the hand of the Midianites. I love this section because God is showing us that people were real back then as they are today. Gideon is not handling his too much too well. And if you've ever been there, if you've ever questioned God like, I've heard that you were good, but like, what is going on, God? The Bible's giving us something to relate to. But into this, God speaks. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? 
My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. It's too much for me. The Lord answered, I will be with you and will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And later, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. And we'll talk about that as well. But here is the incredible word of God, the battle that Gideon would face. And the too many men, Israel had 32,000 that God took to 10,000 that God took to 300 versus 135,000. It's just incredible. Um, And as we dig into the word, can you turn to the person next to you and tell them, it's too much for you, but not too much for God. It's too much for you, but not too much for God. May God bless our discussion. Would anyone else admit that they don't like asking for help? You just hate asking for help. You'll try almost any alternative than calling in the reserves. I, I have a, a, a kind of the same feeling at times. And, and if you never ask for help, it leads you to precarious cir- circumstances. For example, like if you want to move something and, and it, it requires two people, if you don't ask for help, uh, yeah, you'll try different things. Uh, I was struck by this example of someone trying to move a couch all by themselves. Now, they might be able to lift it, but going upstairs or through doorways, you know, that's going to be too much. Or maybe you've been here, you, you've tried to hang something at your house, uh, a picture frame, and, and you have the hammer and the nail and the frame, and you're like biting on one and doing the other, and, and all because you didn't ask for a second set of hands. What's really interesting is that more and more we're hearing how good it is to actually come out and say, I need help. In fact, I was struck by uh, this when it comes to mental health awareness. Uh, Today we're going to pray for someone who unfortunately has uh, committed suicide and the friends and the family thereof. And so when it comes to certain circumstances, it's good to, to speak out and say, I need help. In fact, maybe you've seen some commercials by Michael Phelps. Uh, he has uh, been promoting Talkspace uh, to basically encourage people, you know what, I, I struggle with mental illness, anxiety, depression. If you do, let, let's talk about it. Ask for help. Don't be alone. This is also, by the way, why I love Christian community. I believe Christian community is equipped to answer those hurts. As we pray for one another, as we show them scripture, as we walk beside and say, you are not alone. I don't know much about talk space, but I know Christian community can help us when we need it. I bring all of this up because, make no doubt about it, the Israelites needed help. The Midianites were a huge force. They had so impoverished the area that when we find Gideon, he is actually hiding in a wine press, and he's not pressing wine. What is he doing? He, he is, he's graining his wheat um, because that's the only place he can do it so that hopefully Midian will not steal it. At this time, they have uh, built their homes not in, in the midst of uh, you know, plush uh, farms and out in the open, but they're hiding in the clefts. It reminds me of going to Petra and, and, and those who lived in, in the sides of mountains. It's just, it's just crazy. And all of this was allowed to happen. It was allowed to happen so that they might do something the Lord was looking for. And we see it in verse 6, what it was all leading to. That Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And so if you're taking notes, the, the first thing we learn is that God allows more than we can handle so that we learn to cry for help. 
And I think some of the reason he does that is because he knows our proclivity not to ask for it. I got this. I'm good. I think he does this because he knows our proclivity that when times are going good, when everything's working out as planned, we don't need you, God. My plan's working out. My strength, my resources, they're good enough. And so God in grace allows us to be overwhelmed. God in grace is calling us with way, way too much. In fact, I was uh, reading some commentators, and, and one commentator said this. I believe in it. Distress teaches prayer. It's really interesting. You can do some studies that those who don't claim to believe in God, even atheists will try prayer during times of distress. Isn't that the grace of God trying to reach people when they're down? Another thing that God, I believe, is telling us is that our power is not enough. We heard in the lesson from Paul that when I am weak, then I am strong. So often he has to teach Americans who think they have it all figured out, that we're wiser, better, that we work harder than others, that your power actually isn't the reason you're doing so well. In fact, we were reading from a psalm. Uh, one of our homework assignments for this uh, series was to do personal Bible study. And Psalm 147 said this, that God's pleasure is not in the strength of a horse. Or we could update that and say it's not in the strength of your uh, job, your corporation, the economy. Not in the strength of your education. Not in the strength of your resources. Nor is his delight in the legs of a warrior. But the Lord delights in those who fear him. Who put their hope in his unfailing love. God is often trying to prove that our power is insufficient. He wants us to get to a point where we say, I can't. But Lord, you can. And right away, we have enough to be convicted. Because we see how often we get it wrong. So often our, our convictions of self-sufficiency drive us not to lean out for help, not to cry out for help. We do think we're strong enough, that our plan's going to work. Often we make it all about our power and not the Lord. And today, God is calling us to repentance. Whether you're in a good spot today, whether you're in a hard spot today, he's calling us to rely on his power going forward. And the wonderful thing is, is that when we cry out to God, he not only hears, but he answers. In fact, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. As we've cried out to God for something too much for us, our sin, our shame, he has answered in Jesus Christ. David cried out. When he felt the agony of his sin, look how it felt. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. It was too much through my groaning all day long. But as he repented, he had reason for those groans to turn into rejoicing because of a Savior who forgives. We have that Savior here at Amazing Grace. Our faith is founded on a full forgiveness through a Redeemer named Jesus who bore too much that broke him but healed us, who bore the cross so that we could be healed, so that we could be forgiven, and proved really nothing is too much for him as he rose up again the third day, uh, claiming life back from death, and so he proves that he is reliable going forward. This is our God. But there's more than we can learn. So let's get back to the lesson. So the Israelites, they cried out to God, God answers and the angel appears. 
Gideon at this point is, again, so wrestling with all that is going on, he's not in a good spot. But God reminds him of something that encourages him and us. When, when God shows up, look at this message. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior is not to talk about the strength of Gideon, but the strength of Gideon who went with God. And so if you're taking notes, here's the next point. God allows more than we can handle. So we find courage in his presence. Courage in his presence. Sometimes we have the need for courage. Has it ever happened in your household where you hear something late at night, but it's dark and you don't want to go downstairs just in case? Uh, that, that has happened recently to the Bloomer household. We heard something late at night. It's dark, and it's like, who should go down first? I know it's my responsibility, but anyway. <laughs> Sometimes you're scared. <laughs> now, thankfully, it happened to be the sum pump, which we just were not familiar with, but this week we became really familiar with it. But every now and then, you're just like, well, it could be something different, right? Um, but what if every time we were scared, not, not just going down the stairs in the dark, what if every time we were fearful of stepping out, we imagined someone stronger who was with us? For example, what if we had this guy every time we were afraid? And I bring him up because some know that the actor who played him was uh, called to heaven this past week. But uh, what if when, when facing who's going to go down first, Chewbacca in his Chewbacca growl, you know, signs up and we just have to follow Chewbacca. Then I could go downstairs, right? I got, I, I'm just fine with Chewbacca. What if kids, you imagine every time you're afraid to go out on the playground because maybe there was a bully, um, you imagine Chewbacca's there right with you. Uh, what if before uh, going uh, to a new place, a new location, whether it be a job, uh, a new community, you just imagine, you know, Chewbacca's going with me into the office to debate. I'm going to be just fine, right? That is what God is calling us to consider. And if Chewbacca's not your flavor, um, I was seeing this uh, wonderful post on social media of children who fall asleep on dad. And I love that picture, too. The picture of a child just saying, Dad, you got me, so I don't even have to keep my eyes open. I can rest securely. Um, you got this. I do believe that God is offering this day for us to be just like that infant who, who wraps up no matter the circumstance, if we're going to a job, if we're going to a new community, to lay on the shoulders of our father and even fall asleep knowing he's got this. In fact, what I believe in God is that we have one better than Chewbacca, one better than the best father in our heavenly father. For consider some things about him. He is the one who raises the sun each day and, and causes it to fall. In that, we, we heard a story of one time he actually had the sun stand still in the sky. The power of our Father. He is the one who knows how to call fire down from heaven. He is the one who, though died, came back to life on the third day. He is the one who created our breath and life and ordained all of our days. His power is unfathomable, friends. And with him, we can be courageous, knowing that one better than Chewbacca goes with us. In fact, I, I've been studying the Bible for a while, and um, there, there are certain convictions I have over the Bible that if you ever question his power, his most convincing proof is always creation. 
anyone who ever questioned his power, he'd always go back to, you know, where were you when I set the sun in the sky and stretched out the, you know, stars and, and all those kind of things. But, but I've also found another principle. Whenever he's asking us to be courageous, he always tells us about his presence. In fact, I consider Moses. When Moses was told, go to Pharaoh, bring the Israelites out of Egypt, he said, I'm going to go with you. Joshua. I know there was a study of Joshua. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Why? Because you got it all figured out? Because you're strong enough? Because I go with you. The New Testament. The disciples were given that great commission which we still operate by. Go and make disciples. Ah, go? Really? But guess what? Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You don't have to be afraid. And so with Gideon, I am with you. Be strong, mighty warrior. You know, it's the power of this place. The power of amazing love it is not a preacher, it is not a music, it is not a program, but it is the presence of God <laughs> who shows up in his word so powerfully, so consistently, so beautifully, who is here with us. How awesome. And when God is present, what isn't possible? Let me say it again. When God is present, what isn't possible? So we need to, again, understand what's going on here in the battle. Um, I told you that there are 135,000 Midianites. There are 300 Israelites. And that is odds of 1 to 450. For every one Israelite, you're going to have to go against 450 Midianites. Now, you need to be like Thanos with the Infinity Stones, right, to handle what's going on there. Um, I was trying to put this in modern-day terminology. It, it'd kind of be like if the island of Fiji declared war on the United States. That's how ridiculous it is, right? Um, and, and so what God is going to say is that it's not going to be about infinity stones that you have to be Thanos or any of the Avengers, but they're going to see his power. In fact, what we see next um, is him whittling down the army. Uh, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. Or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. And so he went from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300. And with 300, they faced. And later we see what God did. If you read verse 22, it says, when the 300 trumpets sounded, which is all they you know, really used in battle, they didn't even win it by swords. They, used it, they won by trumpets. <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, the, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The Israelites didn't have to do any fighting because the Lord fought for them. You know, here, here's another truth. God allows you to have more than you can handle so you can rely on his power so that you can see it time and time and time again. You know, I was listening to the news and I heard a story of some teens who needed God's power. They were seniors in Florida who had their senior ditch day and they decided to go for a swim. Uh, but while they were swimming out in the ocean, uh, they unfortunately got stuck. And, and so uh, they, they cried out. Uh, let me show you a picture of these teens. Uh, there they are. Um, 
uh, Miss Brown and, and, and Mr. Smith. And uh, this is what one said. I, I cried out to God, if you really do have a plan for us, like, come on, just bring something. And though they could see nothing, though that cry probably seemed useless, above the noise of the ocean and the noise of another ship, someone heard their cry. In fact, the ship that rescued them is named, can you see this? It's named Amen. And so Miss Brown, as she got on that boat that day after seeing what had just happened, said, God is real. <laughs> That's their story. What about yours? I consider God's blessing at Amazing Love. And uh, I remember when we were pursuing some land for a time in New Lenox, and we were pursuing it for like two years, and we thought that was our plan. It was going to go just fine. And it all blew up. And then a year later, you know, to meet some incredible people from Living Hope, and then to be here on this platform so that we could just say, you know what, it wasn't about our brilliance, our planning, but it was about God's blessing that we could continue to share the gospel and to him be all the glory. Do you have such a story? This is our God. Our God who continues to deliver us no matter how weak we feel, no matter the situation. And all of those experiences, they point us back to the greatest deliverance. That in this life of too much, the thing that has been solved and is certain is our, our perfected salvation through Jesus Christ. That though sin was too much for us and the devil and death were too much for us, they were not too much for our God. That Jesus, again, has forgiven us through his death on the cross. That Jesus, through his descent into hell, proves his power over every dark voice, dark force declaring victory. And that Jesus, through his resurrection, assures us not even death can get us down. All those many deliverances are nothing compared to that ultimate deliverance Jesus has for us spiritually. But what do we do with all of this? I think that so often... God wants us to get into a position where we just say, though I can't, God can. A and maybe as you do your homework this week, it's to understand there's something specifically in your life that is too much for you. And it could be a bad habit. It could be a wayward child. It could be a financial circumstance. It could be a medical circumstance. Whatever that thing is, declare your powerlessness and ask him for help. Ask him to show up powerfully. Rely on his power past that thing. And then in general, what if a group of Christians every day woke up and said, you know what, Lord, today there's going to be too much for me. My job is too much. My kids are too much. My responsibilities are too much. Life is too much. But Lord, I believe that you're present and so I can be courageous. And I believe you're powerful. So I'm going to walk in your power today. Now, what if we did that on the regular? Then I think we wouldn't be disillusioned when life became too much. We would expect it. Because there are going to be those days when you get into a car accident and you get a bill that you can't pay for and the kids are sick and your wife is angry and all of these things happening on the same day. But you know, God is with you. And he's going to be your strength. What it might also help us do is prioritize our life. You need to know you can't always say yes to things. 
If you say yes to everything, you will be definitely misprioritized in this life. You can sign up for way, 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 way. Am I talking to some teens? Teens have a busy life, by the way. Way, way too much. And sometimes we just need to break it down and say what's really important. But most of all, what it'll do, if we declare this, it'll put us right where God wants us. Clinging to him. Relying on him. So that we can be courageous each day and watch him flex his muscles for us as he continues to strengthen us for whatever he calls us to. May God give you such a hope, such a posture. In Jesus Christ, amen. Please stand.